Welcome to the show. I have a super talented musician as my guest today, Dusty Bow. Uh, so Dusty was in a band called Future Villains. Not true villains like my shirt, but Future Villains. And I checked them out. It was great stuff. Kind of sounded a little bit like Lit or Papa Roach. Uh, and he's clearly a very good singer. Uh, but now he's going out on his own. He has a new solo EP out called Vulture. Uh, it's going to be part of this whole album called uh, The Vulture and the Fox, I believe. Uh, and the songs are out right now. They're on Spotify and YouTube. You can hear them. Uh, they sound kind of like the Black Keys or Cage the Elephant vibe, but also has some Southern rock and country vibes, especially one of the songs. Really good stuff. Very catchy. Uh, so you'll get to know him in this episode and a little bit of his backstory. Uh, so check it out. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Dusty Bow. That's an easy hey, name to say. I, I, it's not hard to pronounce that one at all. Good. That's yeah. That's that's <laughs> that some people uh, some people are kind of thrown off by it, and they they ask me if it's my real name, and it's not. It's, right. So tell me the story. Know. That how did you come up with that name? Is it is there any is like is that like your middle name or how did you come up with that stage name? Um. Well, my birth given name is Dustin Bay. Hmm. Um. But when I was younger. Um, I used to play, I, I played baseball for, you know, until I was 16, 15, 16 years old. And the majority of that time, my ba- my teammates and coaches would call me dusty. Okay. You know, sure. Yeah. Just a thing, you know, like a baseball, you know, nickname or whatever. And then, so it's, so it's some family members and, and other, you know, friends, but it wasn't like what I went by. And then, um, but my last name it's Bay, but it's spelled B O E H. Okay. It's like, it's German. So the O is silent or whatever. Oh, okay. So it was very confusing for right. like you know is playing baseball growing up you know like at, you know the commentators or you know whoever's like announcing the game you know Boe or bowie or blah you know like there was just nobody got it right right sure we got it right and um when i moved to los angeles uh i was in the southern rock band called bolt action thrill and right. it was just something it was like it was something that i i went you know when when I, I just I got asked about it a lot about my name and I was like, well, I'm just gonna make it simple for everyone. So, and, <laughs> there you go, makes it yeah. easy. Yeah, I know. I heard story like I had this. Uh, I used to work in the schools. I had this student. He came over from uh, China and he had like a Chinese name and he just he shortened it. He changed it to Sam. Like had nothing to do. It was just like he was a, a <laughs> fan of Uncle Sam and so he's like, you know, it's like he's coming over from uh, China. He's like, my name's Sam now because it's like so hard with some of those foreign names. I mean, those languages don't it's harder for American. And it's like, instead of just getting butchered over and over, it's probably easy for a lot of people to just change or shorten or whatever. So I totally get it. Yeah. Very cool. For sure. So let's talk about, uh, you grew up in Kentucky. Uh, I feel like it's always cool to like hate the place you're from. Like I was from Seattle and everyone always complained about the rain and how much they hated it. Then I moved to Phoenix and all the locals are like, they're flabbergasted that I I moved from Washington. Like, Oh, it's so beautiful over there. And they hate the sun here. So tell me, is it the same Kentucky Kentucky? Do the locals all hate it and complain about it? Uh, because the few places I've been in the uh, South, like Nashville and the Carolinas, I loved it. So, I mean, but you tell me. Yeah, it it does kind of have that, um, it's it's hit and miss really like there's a lot of people that that definitely that complain about it how it's just like you know it's it's um it's you know that whether it's the wet you know it could be the weather it could be just the the types of you know bars and this you know people or whatever but it's just like that's you know uh, 
that 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 has been a thing that I've noticed with 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 a good amount of people that that have are just kind of like, you know, they ask me like, why why'd you come back from California? You know what? what yeah. Much, what you know? Why why would you want to come back here? And it's like, there's there's so many great qualities about Kentucky, especially Louisville. Louisville's a very very diverse city, and um, you know, there's lots lots of great places to play when you know when the world is open. You know, there's a lot of great places to play and eat and and whatnot, and um. You know, it's it's a pretty pretty damn cultured city as well. So, but it's got to be a culture shock coming from California, for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. It was definitely uh, it was tough to get used to for a minute. But it was also like I don't know when I moved back, I was so ready to leave. Like I'd been there for like a, a little like nine and a half, yeah, nine and a half years. I was I was in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a lot of things just directed me to, to kind of sure. get out of there. And, and I was just like, what better place to go than home? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, was, I thought about just going right to Nashville and stuff. I was like, no, I don't want to deal with the big city again and, and do that right away. And, you know, and I'm, but I'm really happy to be back here. It's, it's an awesome city. That's very cool. So what's the music scene like growing up there? Um, you know, is there local music musicians that were influential or, or places that you went and saw music? Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a tricky question. Cause I like, you know, I, I, I would go, I didn't go to, to too many like local shows when I, when I was growing up here, I went to a good amount of like, you know, bigger concerts whenever somebody like, you know, shine down or Avenge sevenfold oh, yeah. Or, um, you know, bands like that were coming in town. Like, I'd go see them, you know. And um, But as far as, like, the music scene, that, that was the big reason why why the band I was in, we we took off to, to L.A. was because sure. we, we had started, you know, I, I, I was in a band, my very first band. We, we played from, we were probably between the ages of 18, 18 to 20 the three of us and then we you know hit the the local circuit and whatnot and there was a lot of different bands at the time there was a lot of guys that were trying to sound like corn godsmack you know um buck cherry you know they're well, not even not even them like that, that you know but but more more so lot, lots lots of new metal stuff was sure was really hot at that time papa roach and stuff you know and uh and then our our band at first, you know, we were called One Giant Leap. I didn't pick the name, um, but uh, <laughs> we were like kind of a mix of like I was real big into Chevelle and Incubus, so okay. we were kind of like this big, you know, try to be like this kind of big psychedelic kind of rock band. All right. And and then uh, you know we we made a little bit of noise, but then we we transitioned to Bolt Action Thrill, which okay. was we were kind of going for like a Southern slash um, Motley Crue, you know, Black Crows, Guns and Roses kind of thing is what we want to do. But okay. anyways, to answer your question, the, the scene was like, there were, there was a lot of, you know, a good amount of places to play lots of different kinds of bands, but it wasn't like there wasn't a, um, a scene for just rock and roll. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, it was kind of like there was, there was so much, so much other, um, it, bands like just trying to want wanting to be their own individual entity or whatnot. Like there was, there was kind of, you know, there'd be like clicks and this, that, and the other, and we didn't really feel welcome in some of those areas. So we're like, well, fuck it. Let's, 
let's go, you know, let's get, let's, let's, let's go to where, you know, the music that we're really inspired by was created. And so, yeah, we took off and yeah. So to California, like when, at what age did you start getting into music? Um, cause I know your early influences were more like, you know, Jimi Hendrix, ACDC, Zeppelin, Skinner, Black Crows, Eagles. Um, yeah. you know, that's kind of more like the seventies stuff. So at what age did you start getting into listening to music and at what age did you start playing music? Okay. Um, I started playing guitar when I was seven mm. and wow, that's um, young. So self-taught yeah, or yeah, you take lessons or how'd you learn? Um, at first I was self-taught, you know, and I, I did take some guidance. That's honestly where I, I kind of, uh, I kind of wish I would have started taking lessons right out the gate because when I started mm. taking lessons, I was like, I think I was 10, 10 or 11 ish. And I, by that time I had gotten pretty good. Like I'd learned to play a good amount of stuff on my own. I knew nothing about reading music. I knew nothing mm. about theory or even chording things properly, but I knew how to play a bunch of stuff just by learning by ear. So when I'd go to like, I'd go to take these lessons and I would do good at the lesson, but then they'd give me homework and then I'd be like, well, I don't, I don't want to do homework. Like this is is my escape from homework and school and stuff. And then I I was was like, I'm just going to play things that I know. And that became kind of a, you know, I, I, I was still really young, so I didn't really have the discipline to know like, how much that would have benefit me to mm-hmm. kind of know the, you know, the, you know, certain things with, uh, actually being inclined with theory and whatnot. But yeah, so I was seven when I started playing guitar and then I started writing and singing probably like around 15. And then, uh, I started doing kind of acoustic stuff, um, with, you know, my friend Katie with the first girl, who I, first person who I ever wrote songs with was a, a childhood friend of mine and we'd go out and we would do, you know, we'd play coffee shops and, and, um, all age places, you know, hmm. that our friends in high school could come to and stuff. And, um, so how did you uh, develop your vocal ability? Because I, you know, you said that you, I've heard you sing and you're great, obviously a great singer and you've, you've been you. quoted as saying, uh, the vocal range of Bon Scott to Chris Cornell. And it's hard to hit those Cornell notes. So did, did is that something that just came over time or with practice or, yeah, definitely. That was something that that I honestly uh, I didn't I I didn't have that kind of range until I joined the band that I was in my, my majority of time in Los Angeles, which was Future Villains. Which I, I saw your shirt, True Villains. So yeah. that, we'll get to that in a minute. Like okay. those guys are awesome. And yeah, I uh, we had the the way we met was was pretty funny. We had some similarities, not even not just the name, but um, right. Uh, so the that band uh, was future villains when i joined them was kind of the um that would that they, they that came along right at when when things with my first band that i was in la bolt action throw and that was kind of falling apart and when i was in the studio you know we that was that was the direction the band was going was like acdc bill revolver kind of like um jet guns and roses you know kind of thing and um, I didn't, I never had somebody that really pushed me vocally in the studio all that much. Like mm. I knew, I knew some things that I could do and try to do and whatnot, but as far as like layering harmonies and doubling and doing all these things, like the, the, uh, guitar player and producer for that band, Clay, he was really good with getting me to find out like what I could do. And so that mm. was when it was like, and I, okay. I, we, you know, I, I played in some cover bands and stuff on the strip and whatnot where like, 
you know, I would I would try certain ACDC songs, but it wasn't it wasn't until I really like got in the studio. And also, my vocal coach Mark Baxter, he was the reason that I was able to maintain without destroying myself. Like when I had my first like vocal issue, I went to him and he taught and you know showed me like these warm ups and regimens that I could do to like pretty much before and after gigs and daily to where I would not be destroying myself and okay. if I was hurting myself to kind of recover from right it. so it was so. you know over time with some help from people and stuff like that so For yeah sure. so so this first band you were in a uh, bolt action thrill uh, that was your first band right that was my pretty much yeah okay that was you know the, so yeah. and you guys decided to move to LA to perform in Hollywood and on the sunset strip and you did that for a few years so tell me about those years like what were the highs and lows I mean that's a big step to, you know, I've heard stories of guys moving from the Midwest or wherever and go to LA and like, uh, Sean, uh, I think it was Sean McNabb, like he moved from Indiana or something to, uh, to California. And he was at like one of the, the cat house club and he just happened to run into uh, Frankie Benelli and they gave him the quiet riot gig, like almost like right away when he moved there. So, I mean, sometimes you hear stories like that and then what's that? What was the guy's name? I'm sorry. You kind of, uh, sorry. kind of went out for a bit. Sean McNabb. Sean McNabb's a bass oh, player. Yeah. He's been yeah, in like Quiet I, I, Riot. I, I uh, with Sean. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, you hear stories like that where they sometimes they move there and then like right away, boom, they're like like Ugly Kid Joe. That's another one. Was like the band started in Santa Barbara. Like they got signed like a few months later. And you hear stories like that, and then you hear stories where you know bands are together for years and years, and it just doesn't happen. So tell me about those years. Like what you guys are trying to make it happen. What were you? Are you working day jobs during this time? Like. Yeah, we all were. So that that was like, I guess that that was that was a really cool thing about about the time that we went out there. So we moved out there in 2009. And I'd say the rock scene, like the actual Hollywood Sunset Strip rock and roll scene really died probably in like 2000 and like 14, 15. Hmm. Like it's not it's not it's not really I mean, not to say there's not rock and roll band. Like, like I kind of hate saying that because I, I don't. I'm not one of those guys that says rock and roll's dead. I'm not, and I never will be, but it's good. Like, <laughs> as far as like the scene goes, I mean, I remember showing up there 2009, like going to see my buddy's band. They were called cast of Kings and they were playing at the Roxy. It was cast of Kings, love and a 38 and run devil run. And I remember like standing, like I was sitting on the, the back of my brother's car, smoking a cigarette. And I saw this van pull up between the Roxy and, um, uh, the, uh, well, no, I guess it is on the other side. So the Roxy's right next to the Rainbow Bar and Grill, but on the other side of the Roxy where they have this alley, this van, this van pulls up. Um, the the passenger gets out of the front passenger seat of the van, opens up the trunk, and there's two guys just piled in there with gear, and they just start getting their gear. And I was like, this seems like something I like almost famous or something. You know what I mean? Just like a yeah. – it was very, very like quintessential – um, rock and roll scene, just these guys that were out pounding the pavement. They didn't even have enough money to like have a trailer or like a big enough van to fit all their gear. You know what wow. I mean? It was like, it was very, very much bare bones. How things were. Yeah. What's that? Bare bones. It sounds like totally, yeah. totally. So like, um, I don't know when Sean moved out there, but like, there's definitely, I have, I know, I know of some, some people getting good gigs like that, you know, um, with big bands, but it's definitely, it's, that's, that's a, that's a rare occasion, you know, mm. but we, we definitely like, um, caught the, I, I, I'd like to say, you know, and certain people might disagree, but I know a lot of people would agree that we 
kind of caught the tail end of that that scene where there was like because then the cat club was still open which was did you ever go to the cat club it was Mm -mm. right next to the whiskey no Um, i just went to the whiskey for the first time like a couple years ago it was amazing oh yeah okay yeah yeah the whiskey's rad so then that that, that'll always be there because that's like uh i hope so it's it's a um it's iconic landmark Yeah. yeah they they well they 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 had it what do you call it? They crowned as a, uh, as like a, a landmark. Like okay. It can, it can never be torn. Landmark down. status. Like good. Good. Yeah. Landmark status. That's it. Very so, cool. um, so yeah, so you're, so you're cat- there, you guys are there, you're gigging. Uh, so like what, like are you doing bartending jobs or what are you doing? You're working during the day and then trying to gig at night. And like how many shows a week are you doing? Like, what is it? It's gotta be like a grind to be doing both things. Big time. Yeah. So we all had day jobs. I was working at like, first I started working at like a deli and then I was working at a car dealership. Um, you know, one of my the guys was working as a, um, was working at uh, a hotel as like a concierge or bellhop at first. And he actually worked his way up there. He's, he's still, he's, he's kicking the most ass out of all of us right now. Our, our old drummer who's, he's working at the, like the big hotel at the Hollywood and Highland. Wow. Um, which is like, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a great spot, but he's, he's, yeah, he's doing really well. But anyways, um, we all had to work day jobs for sure. And like, cause the other thing, which have you ever heard of the pay to play situation? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Where you have to okay. pay to, uh, play at like a club or something. Um, and then I guess you just hope that you get your money back, like, but you have to kind of front the money, right. Or. Yeah, so it's like essentially what you know, and not all clubs do this. Like this is one thing I loved about the Viper Room is they never did that to us. Mm-hmm. It's like they were just like, okay, how many people do you think you could bring? We're gonna start you in on a nine o'clock on a Wednesday night or whatever, and then however you do from there, then we'll gauge what your next show is gonna be like. Cool, sure. that makes sense. That's fair, you know. So, um, and the whiskey took great care of us too, but you know, um, this was just, this was their business model. And it's, it's also was for the Roxy, um, certain house of blues, you know, a, a good amount of venues out there do this. And so what they do is they, you sign a contract saying, okay, we're giving you 60 tickets or, you know, however many 60 tickets to start with. And by the hour, the, before you your stage time, you have to give us six hundred dollars. It was usually about ten bucks a ticket for what they give you. You can sell the tickets for however much you want, but they give you sixty tickets and then you owe them six hundred dollars. You know, um, before an hour before your set time, and if you don't give them that money, they cut your set to fifteen minutes, and then you can't play there again until you pay that 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 contract back or whatever. So, essentially, what that made everybody have to do was we had to go out and sell tickets like and and for a band a new band in hollywood it's like 10 10 say say you sell it for the minimum 10 bucks for the ticket 10 bucks a ticket 15 20 bucks you know for somebody to park it's 10 bucks a drink there so you know that's asking a lot of you know you're looking at a 35 40 dollar night to come see some band that nobody's ever heard about yikes yeah it was a tough sell you know for sure so that was that was like that that was a big part of why you know the whole hollywood scene it became it was it became a popularity contest you know it didn't or or if you just had enough money to you had somebody in the band that was rolling then you could just have them eat the price for the tickets and then you could just pass them out gotcha. you know what i mean yeah. but, but then if you some you know and 
It was so tricky too because sometimes when there were free shows, or if you gave somebody a free ticket, then a lot of times they wouldn't they wouldn't go, you oh, know, because wow. they didn't pay for it. Sure, know? yeah. There's no investment. So that band exactly. fell apart, and then you joined the band uh, Future Villains. And from this yeah. one, there was it was this a little bit better of a more successful band. Like you did uh, international touring, you performed at the Whiskey and the Troubadour and the Viper. You recorded at uh, Sunset Studios and NRG Studios. Those are big studios. I heard a great song called Reject, another one called Devil in Her Bones that had a great music video. Bullet in the, Bullets in the Wind, I think, was this another a bunch yeah. of great songs. So what happened with that band? Because it sounded like uh, pretty good to me. I, I don't know. Was it yeah, just kind of what was, you're saying with the, the, the uh, pay to play and stuff? Or Well, we had no, we, we never got affected. That, that was one thing that was really cool with that band was we never, we never had to do that. Cause we would, we all, everybody in that band was, had been in bands prior and we had already met these, we had already made a name for ourselves, I guess, as individuals in the scene, you mm-hmm, know? So mm-hmm. like all the promoters and talent buyers, like we had people that could vouch for us if, if they, if the, the bookers didn't already know us personally and hadn't worked with us previously. So we never had to do the pay to play thing, which was nice. And we got, um, you know, we were, uh, we, we, for the first time, like that was, you know, the, 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 I guess my, my first experience with being out there and not focusing on anything really other than just like kicking ass as a band. Like that was what we, we were just like, let's, you know, uh, back and that was going back to clay, the guy who, excuse me, the guy who was the, the founder of the band and also the producer and you know, pretty much the shot caller of the band, um, was like, why don't we just focus on our sound? We'll get, we'll have a, we'll have a great product. We'll put on a great show and yeah. then we'll just become a force, a force to be reckoned with. And I was like, I love that. I don't want to go. Cause I mean, when you got to do the pay to play thing, you know, I was driving from, I was driving to West Covina to Santa Monica, Valencia. I was driving all over outside of LA proper just to sell tickets, just to, mm. just to get somebody, you know, delivering their tickets. Like, Hey, if you want this, I'll even bring it to you, you know, just to guarantee me that you're going to buy one of my tickets. And then they were like, Clay and our, the bass player was like, you don't need to, you don't need to go out selling tickets when we do our shows. And I was like, Great. That's nice. So what was like yeah. the best show that you guys played as future villains? Like what was the highlight uh, gig or any, any really memorable shows that stand out? Man, the last one we did at the Troubadour was really great. Cause we, we had been a band for about five years at that point and we were just really tight and we had like a bunch of new songs. We've been, we had uh, written in like, so we were just, yeah, that the Troubadour, but then my favorite one, and there's, there's some clips of this online. Um, uh, I can actually send you once we get done. Uh, we played in, we toured with uh, Steel Panther. Oh, nice. I love them. Is, That's one of my which, favorite yeah, bands. Dude, yeah, they're killer, which is funny. Like, True Villains, when yeah, I these guys. met them, rocking the yeah. True Villains shirt, I yeah. actually have mine in my closet, too. Nice. Uh, I love this guy. I had Bo on my show. He's great. I love him. Dude, yeah. I think that's actually how I, that's how I, I, I found out about you was a oh, solo good, good, post good. about the interview. Yeah. yeah. So I met, um, I met them in Nashville when they were doing a show, one of the, one of the 10 roofs. And then they, I was like, man, that's, this is cool. I used to be in a band called future villains and you know, we were a hard rock band too. And then, and they're like, yeah, man, well, I was like, when are you guys playing again? And they told me we're, you know, we're opening for steel Panther at the Nashville marathon music, music marathon works. I think is what it was called. 
So that was a cool connection because we we did a few tours that when we did the international tours, we were opening, we were direct support for Steel Panther. So international, so that's like in Europe or where exactly did you go? We went to Canada with them a few times. Okay. Uh, but that's a but, tour. I mean, you got the bus and everything. You get the, I mean, that's you're living the life of the rock star life. Yeah, it was rad. That was, that was very cool. We had, we had, um, yeah, we had a motor home. We, we, we definitely, we, we, we tried to skip all the steps as far as like vanning it and this and that and the okay. other, which, you know, we, we, know, we had, we had a motor home. We didn't have like a big giant bus. We had a really nice motor home that, that, um, you know, we all kind of pitched in and, and so and whatnot. So what happened with that band? Like, what do you think went wrong? You got to hopefully have learned something from that because obviously you guys broke up because I heard the songs. Like I said, I thought the songs are great. I think you had the talent. You had the look. I mean, you know, you're not weird looking or, you know, morbidly obese or anything. You're in shape. You're singing your movie. You got the moves. I mean, you guys look like a, and sound like a real high quality rock band. Even the music video was was high quality. So like, what happened? Um... Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we, we definitely... <laughs> That's we, a compliment, we, yes. We, uh, we we definitely worked hard for a long time to get, you know, all those things and whatnot. But we, when, after we did the first or second tour with Panther, we essentially got, long story short, um, we, got, we got approached by this investor who had a manager... Um, that, you know, his business partner or whatnot, that they put a bunch of money into the band and we ended up um, writing and recording a whole full-length album. I think it was 12, at least 12, if not 14 songs um, at Sunset Sound and Energy that never got released just because uh. it, money and greed really, really wrecked everything because people were getting put on retainers and money was getting p- thrown out certain ways and, like, we were kind of we not that we needed all the creative not not that we needed all the control we were given all this creative control and they were putting us we should not have been in sunset sound as much as i loved that we were there that was way beyond a unknown band like i mean i i don't know what the bill was i have an idea but we already had like a recording studio that we had you know built at our guitar player's house that we were planning on using and stuff but they just they wanted us to you know uh do all these things that we not that we weren't ready for, but it just didn't make sense financially for them. Like, it's like, how are they going to recoup all this money? So wait, sorry, who who paid all these bills? The record label or the management or both? Or? No, it was an, an an investor who was like part oh. of a. He was an independent like. He's a trust fund baby. The trust fund. Baby. Okay. There's no, all right. There's Interesting. No other, way, no other way to put it. And he was a really nice guy, but the guy that he had tied on. He just, he literally had more money than he knew what to do with. And the guy that was his management business partner, um, had, he just had a, he was greasy dude and he had a lot of like ulterior motives in his pocket to like get himself taken care of. And then his other friends taken care of like where we had PR people, we had other producers and other, you know, people lined up that we wanted to use for certain things. And, when that came to be, it's like, no, we're going to go with this, even though it's going to cost us way thousands and thousands and thousands of more dollars. This is who we know. This is who we're comfortable with. And it was like, there was a lot that went into it, but essentially it was, it was money and greed that kind of, that uh, kind of well, that's too that. bad. Yeah. Cause I, I did like that band, but so the band falls apart. Um, and, uh, you decide to go, I guess you, you that's when you decided to go solo. 
Yeah, yeah. I um, well, I, I, not right away. I, I played with some other people and started a couple other projects. Started one and joined another, and I was just kind of seeing what what I could do, and you know what not being in that band would bring, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just as far as like the freedom from it and whatnot. Cause it was definitely, it was a, it was a life, life time investment. Sure. As far as, um, well, one, t- one thing time. I saw that you did, uh, you did, you did sound check live, which is a thing that I, I, I want to check this out. Uh, it's hosted by Izzy Presley, who I've had on the show and, uh, oh. all these great high level musicians come in and, and you played with, uh, Alex Kane from enough's enough, Jimmy Dionda from bullet boys, uh, Barry Pointer from Methods of Mayhem. Like, who else did you get to? Did you do that a lot? I heard the cover that you did of uh, ACDC's Big Gun. I love that song. Oh, dude, me and, too. Uh, That's the best unknown ACDC right. song there is. I love it. Yeah. I know Bon Scott is a cool guy to like, but I, I like Brian Johnson too, and I, I love that song. But yeah, so tell me about do, uh, performing at Soundcheck. Did, was that like the only time you did that, or have you done that many times? No, that was actually so. That's kind of how I got to know, meet Sean uh, McNabb. Oh, okay. Was, so I did that a, a bunch, like my one of one of the guitar players. So it started all that started the sound check thing started off as Ultimate Jam Night, mm. which was that started a lucky strike, and then there was a falling out between some of the the uh, core members, and then so Ultimate Jam Night moved to the whiskey, and then Sound Check Live was what became started at the stayed at Lucky Strike. So then, so with the and, and they had their differences, you know, as far as like the, the ultimate jam night was every Tuesday at the whiskey soundcheck live was like every last Wednesday at lucky strike. But like, yeah, that it was really cool. I got to do, um, I got to do uh metal health with, uh, Chuck Wright and Frankie Benali. So that was oh, cool getting to perform quiet, Riot yeah. with the quiet Riot members. That's yeah. amazing. And also before, you know, Frankie RIP, um, that was, uh, that was a really cool moment. And then um, Sean, he's obviously a badass. Matt Starr, who's a great drummer. He yeah. played for, uh, okay, um, it was Ace Freely and Mr. Big now. I think yes. Yeah, Big. I think so. Um, Mitch Perry, who's yeah. played for Le- Lita Ford, Edgar Winter. Uh, who else? Um, so lots of great musicians you get, of, you get yeah, in a jam with. Yeah. That looks like a lot of fun. So. Anyway, so you're you're doing some jamming, you're doing some other stuff. Did you ever have like any like other big offers that you that turned down, or like an almost like tryouts that you almost made it to a, for a band or anything like that? I love hearing these kind of stories. Well, yeah, that was something. <laughs> that's another video I'll send you. I don't I don't know if this is why I didn't get the gig, but when I did, I was singing a good amount for. I, I did more more shows with the Ultimate Jam Night guys than I did at Soundcheck. Okay. Um, because they just they had them more often, right? They were okay. once a week opposed to sure. once a month. Um, and uh, when I can't remember, the, I think his name was was it Jizzy Pearl? Jizzy Pearl, yeah, from was Love it? Hate, and uh, I think he was in Rat and LA Guns, maybe, and yeah. And then he also he was. It's, he's saying for Quiet Riot for. A bit. I think so. Yeah, yeah. He's been. He's done Who, a lot. Whoever it was, this was like 2015 or 16 at the latest. Uh, they had just. They had just gotten Quiet Riot had just gotten a new singer. That I think came after Jizzy, and either way, they just got a new singer, and then. He did a few runs with them, and then, and then I guess they weren't happy with them. And Chuck told me 
he was like, hey, I want you to, he, he didn't, he was like, he was telling me about that, but, and then, but not mentioning, he, he was kind of hinting he wanted me to audition and whatever, but he never like actually said it. And then he messaged me and told me that Frankie was going to be coming down and doing a few songs and he wanted me to sing. So we did, we did uh, Metal Health and then we did Back in Black and I rehearsed when he asked me that I went over this song for probably a week straight, I would say at least two hours a day. Like I had it, I've never gone over one song as much. As wow. Yeah. Song. That's intense. And then, and, then, and I'm, I'm talking in my car and my room, like my apartment, like I've covered my face with a pillow. Cause it's a loud song. right? Sure. So like I was doing anything I could to just to, to be fully prepared for the song and get there. And I'm, killing it you know we're in the song and I'm, I'm i'm just crushing it and then halfway through the second verse my wireless microphone battery dies oh no so i was like fuck, and i'm like trying i'm like trying to reset it and whatever and because it wasn't mine it was one one of the guys you know, oh they okay had well that's good the, so you uh, can't get blamed for that yeah you know i because i would have absolutely changed about it but i was like they 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 definitely didn't have them changed that day you know which was very surprising yeah but, um but uh you know whatever those things happen sure so i ran over and like grabbed one of the wired mics like a backing vocal mic and started singing on that and then that that's on video i'll, I'll send you that too but i i got a feeling that might have been what happened but then they got they got james durbin to sing for him and he's oh he's, he's amazing. great like, yeah. That dude, yeah but um you know chuck told me he was like you know that kind of i didn't want to say anything but that was kind of like your audition and frankie's the guy that calls the shots and you know he we, uh, we decided to go with james and i was like i get it you know what i mean especially like he's a well-known dude sure too, but uh sure that was probably the only um i think that was probably the only uh Big audition or almost the, the big, yeah. The only big one that I, um, you know, I met with a couple other managers and, and stuff, but it wasn't really an audition, it was kind of just a getting to know, you know, just kind of an introduction thing as far okay. as that goes. But, um, yeah, that was the only time I guess there was ever because at, at, at also it was just like I, I was so focused on future villains that was just we were just we were in that you know like yeah we, there sure was, well, yeah, the other guys got offered you know other gigs and stuff too but we were just you know um you we, were all we in wanted to make it yeah we were all in it all yeah. of us were all in so yeah. it didn't work out so then eventually though you do decide you know you're going to start this solo thing um in 2018 a couple of years ago you did us or three years ago and now it's 2021 i, I saw the yeah. single i'm done but this is like almost country music i mean it's very southern bluesy kind of has that black crows vibe to it um was there more music that kind of fit with this single or was that just designed as kind of a one and done hold on you kind of you cut out there a good amount there i'm sorry you said 2018 yeah the the uh, i'm done song it was uh oh, it was yeah very okay. southern bluesy rock i just wonder if there was if that was just kind of a one and done one off kind of single or were you going to try to do like a whole album in that vein because the, the new ep that you have is a little different so we'll get to that but yeah um so that was actually i'm done was the first single that i put out and that was actually a part of a four song ep because so when i when i left 
future villains and I started doing other things and write I started writing a lot more and I was writing a lot of country songs at the time uh-huh, like really uh-huh. bluesy southern kind of country stuff and then you know I came home for a holiday once and my buddies were like why don't you just do this be like a solo kind of southern rock country artist you know and whatnot and I was like well that's 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 not a bad idea you know like why not you know because I've always been into that kind of music so I started kind of going that route. I kind of started tapping in, going to Nashville and tapping into the country and singer-songwriter scene and this, that, and the other. And uh, I released that EP. The EP that I'm done was on. I released that in like May 2018. And when I was, uh, you know, kind of going over some things with, you know, just... Friends and like when I was doing co-writes and stuff, like I was always coming back to rock and roll, you know. Uh-huh. And then that EP was it was very directed towards "I'm Done's the least country song that was on it, you know. Like you said, it's kind of a bluesy, uh-huh. you know, um, southern rock kind of thing. So that that that's why that one is actually still up there. I took down actually, yeah, oh. because uh, I did like I did a re- I wanted to do a rebranding thing because it's like I was trying out like a a new thing just going, you know, like I said, going to Nashville and like seeing how I could tap in as like a country artist and this, that, and the other. But like, I just, I would always come back to wanting to do a rock, you know, something, something more rock and roll and whatnot. Not that I, I, I dislike country. anything. I, I love a lot of country music and I like, I still write it and whatnot. But as far as like what I do for my own project, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's got to have more of a rock and roll appeal. And, um, so that's why it's kind of a jump from, from, you know, I guess, uh, okay. From to, to, to my, sure. That songs. makes sense. So then, yeah. So the new EP, uh, Vulture, uh, there's only a few songs on it, but they're really good. It's a, I think Thank someone, you. I don't know if you or somebody subscribed to kind of as like black keys, uh, meets cage, the elephant sounds who produced this EP or did you have any help with the production of the songwriting or the, the drums or instruments, or did you do everything? No, I did have some help. So, um, uh, bandit, my first single. And then my th- third single which is called burn me yeah those were both Great. those were both kind of uh, thank you the, um those were actually recorded in los angeles with a side project that i had started with some good friends of mine um who uh they're some of those got a couple of them bass player and the guitar player in a band called wavy trees and they're super cool la kind of a beach alternative rock band like a um can't really put it. They're, they're just fun. They're good. Okay. They're a really, really cool band. And then the drummer is my good friend, Jonah Nimoy, who is also, he plays rhythm guitar on the offspring. Oh, nice. Um, but he's a phenomenal drummer. Like that's him, you know, playing drums. And, um, we've done a lot of work together. I was in his, in his band Furiosa for a little bit too, before I came home. And anyways, um, we did those two songs, Bandit and Burn Me. And we kind of, we recorded them with our buddy Jason Mazillas, who's who he engineered them, um, but we all kind of I guess produced them together. It was like we wrote, we all we all pitched in on the writing and, produ- and production process as far as like arrangements and stuff go. Um, but then the rest of the album, um, I've done, I've written you know this, some of the songs with various writers. The majority of them are are written by me, um, but I have you know. Um, there's probably three other songs on there. I think I did co-writes on, but the producer is, uh, his name is Michael Esser and he's okay. out of, uh, he's in Nashville, Tennessee at, um, 
It's a place called Sundog Studios, which is over in East Nashville. So you did have a little help. So yeah, studio. the Bandit. Yeah. I love that song. It's a rocking song. Uh, people should Thank definitely you. check that out. Very catchy. I like the. It's like the woohoo or whatever that part. It just gets stuck in your head. And then the Burn Me, like you yeah. said, that's another really great uh, catchy tune. Great riff. What is that song about? Because like, so I was listening to some of the lyrics, and I'm like, running and nowhere to go. Started as a hunter, but soon became the prey, living an endless lie. I'm like, oh, I kind of like these lyrics. Like, I'm not big on lyric lyrics usually, but I'm like, this is sounds like it's kind of got a deeper meaning. It does. Um, actually, that's that's cool. You asked about that. Um, so that song, um, going back to the way things were and you know, um, previous bands or whatnot, where I would, there was a lot of times where I would get used as a vocal workhorse, you know what I mean? Or whatever, like to where it was just like, no, you're, we're just going to go with, how do I say this without saying too much? It's just, <laughs> say it's, it it's all, about, say it, too much. It's, so it's what makes for a good interview. When, when, when you spill the beans. When I was, What's that? What's what makes for a good interview when you spill the beans and tell the this dirt. This is true. And I, yeah. I've talked about it before. It's, it's no secret, whatever. So there was, you know, a certain someone in, in future villains that wasn't uh, keen on a lot of my ideas. It was either his way or the highway. Mm. And um, when I brought songs, they would just, they'd either get thrown away or they would get completely changed to something else that wasn't even anywhere close to what I was writing about or you know how I want to sound so that song burn me that was an idea I brought to be a future villain song oh and it got it got changed to be something completely different that I just was not happy with at all so anyways the lyrical content after this at all after that at all happened um was essentially about that whole situation with like not not just not just with him the band member but the whole like also the uh you know, the investor and that monster manager, as we call him, um, came along to where they kind of just intercepted us. And like, it was like, I would, you know, started as the hunters, like, okay, yeah, we, you know, uh, or you're always blind to something when your eye is on the prize. Sure. So that was essentially saying like, we had our eye just on success and being a great band, this, that, and the other. And then here comes, you know, Mr. Money Train and his invet and his management team that came and just, you know, essentially hunted us you know, mm. for, you know, cause we're, we're this band making some, making some moves and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, that, that's what it is really, you know, it's like, a, you know, I, um, we were, we were, we had our, we had our focus in this tunnel mission and we were going, you know, obviously we kind of, you, you know, in the music industry that, you know, you got to keep your eye out for people and whatnot. And we had, we had done that and we had dodged a few people. Like we, you know, we, there's a few people that was like, okay, we're not feeling this. This guy comes along, and at first it's all like great. The first first six months were just it's like this is it. This is this is literally what we the ideal situation. It's not a record deal, you know. This is this is this. It, it's not a it's not a investment deal. Like these guys are just managing us, and they're putting in a bunch of money. And the only time we're gonna have to pay them back is and this is what it said in the contract. And in a nutshell, the only time we were gonna have to pay them anything is once we started making a lot of money. You know, it was a really, really weird huh. situation, but it was very, it was like one of those things that it seemed like a dream come true at first. And then, you know, I, a good friend of mine uh, told me a long time ago, money will be the first thing to fuck up a good thing. And that was absolutely what took it all, took it all down. But that's kind of what that song is about. Burn Me is kind of the, 
the dangerous pursuit of a successful career in the music industry, how it's just like, you know, you're the hunter, you're the one going out there hunting for your success, but there's going to be people that are going to try to, then you become the you prey. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you got the conductor. That's another good song. Heavy song. I love the screaming on that. Um, and then, Thanks. so all I can dream, let's talk about that. Cause that's even more Southern than the I'm done song. I mean, that's pretty much a full on country song. Would you agree? Like, are you still yeah. going to experiment with your sound and kind of go back and forth between rock and country or is Southern, uh, is it going to be kind of Southern rock with country flair? Because there's a big gap between all I can dream and the conductor. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. <laughs> and I like it all, but yes. Yeah. No, that, I like no, the rock that, stuff that, better personally, just cause I, but it's all good. I mean, it's not like, no, no. And I, 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 I understand. I, um, that's something with this album. So basically, um, this whole album, one, it's a concept and I'll get to that in a minute too, but it's like, it's cause it all, it's all going to tie in with the way it's going to be portrayed through, be portrayed through music videos and illustration. Hmm. All the songs tie in together for a story. Okay. Um, like, uh, you know, that all, and all the stories, all the songs are, you know, have something to do with things that have actually happened in my life, you know, and not, you know, I never robbed a train like in bandit where it's, you know, okay. about train robbery, but yeah. that's essentially about doing something that somebody else was kind of like telling me, this is what you need to do. Go do this for me. And, you know, kind of, working for somebody else but uh with the whole there, there there's some other songs on the album like there's another one that's about as much almost as country it's more like kind of a swampy southern uh dobro slide guitar blues like delta blues kind of song but it's just still like a solo acoustic kind of thing hmm. um that'll be uh out in the next couple months but i kind of with the whole approach with this album it the, the full album is going to be called The Vulture and the Fox. Vulture okay. is the first EP. Fox is going to be coming out here in the in the spring. And then Vulture, The Vulture and the Fox, the collection of the two with some additional songs will come out in the summer. Nice. So, I like that. That's, that's a good way to do it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think I, it's, I definitely put, it, put, put a lot, maybe too much thought into the whole thing. But it's definitely been fun because it all has a lot of personal meaning to me. And I think it might, it, a lot of people will be able to relate to some of the stories. But um yeah there's 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 a good spread of it of genre which is kind of another subliminal statement in the whole album in itself because hmm. i um i've heard from so many people not so many people well not that's true so many people but then also like a handful of like industry people it's like you can't be you can't write a song that sounds like Velvet Revolver and then write a song that sounds like the Black Crows and then have a song also on the album that sounds like Tom Petty. It's like, why the fuck not? Like, why, why can't I do, you know? Yeah. Like, it's harder I, I, to sell that. I mean, although I will say like, and, and some people will have that opinion, but like, I love Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction, obviously great album, but I also, I really like the Use Your Illusions and those are, I mean, there's songs, there's, you know, full on industrial like my world you know song and then there's like the full long ballads and there's acoustic and then there's just classic rock stuff so i mean it, it runs the the gamut all over the place and i love that but it, i i do think it's it's harder to 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 sell that to someone who's just getting to know you right because they might listen to your For country sure. song and go oh i want to hear more of that kind of country stuff and then listen to the other stuff and not be like, what is this? And then thrown or vice versa. They might listen to the rock stuff and then be thrown by the country. So. so totally. And that's been an interesting thing. Like, um, of seeing how people that like, 
that do already follow me, like how which, which songs do better than, than the others and who likes what and who, you know, because um, everybody's different, right? And I, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's, that's part of the, I guess, the power in not being signed to a label or, you know, it being, be, being the power, one of the powers of being an independent artist is like, and also with the way things are today, it's like, it's all about Spotify singles and stuff anyway. So it's like, okay, why not True. see what, you know, all I can dream can do in the Americana world and then bandit can do in the guns and roses world and stuff, you know what I yeah. mean? And so just kind of a, a whole experimentation to see which in, and also just, it's just something that. I think as a, as an artist, we, you know, we shouldn't be like, should never be restricted to what we're allowed to put out and whatnot. And, um, it's just, it's, yeah. So there, there's a few other big stretches of songs on there. I mean, that's, that's about as far as actually there's one song I have. That's, that'll be one of my final, my, my single to come out for the album. That's got like kind of a, I don't know. Royal Blood meets Aerosmith. Ooh, that sounds good. I'm excited for that one. That's that's gonna be great. That's so you definitely lean more towards the rock. You're gonna throw some southern flair, maybe a little bit of country here and there, but it's mostly gonna be rock for the once the full album is released. Yes, absolutely. Very cool. I approve. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. I mean, but yeah, I'm just for me. Like, I I think it's cool if it's if it's more rock. Um, What about your social media, like? Is that part of the theme of the whole album? Because I noticed your social media, it's all black and white. There's no yeah. color. Is that all d- by design? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, so that's the, 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 so, okay. So going back to the concept of the album, that's, that's all going to be the whole story, the whole album and each song is going to be a chapter. It's not going to be the entire thing. It's probably going to be the first six songs for right now, just because, it's going to be a lot of work and money and to, to get like essentially these videos done to where there's going to be animation and then like stop motion. Oh, wow. Stuff. And it's all the um, story of a gunfighter moving out to the West, hmm. moving out to the wild West and, uh, you know, getting caught up with, you know, he, he goes out there to pursue a, pursue a more exciting and beneficial life. And then he, you know, gets caught up with people that get him to that almost to that point and then they turn on them and there's a lot of betrayal and then love and, and, you know, fucking, uh, excitement and, and whatnot. But, um, that is all, all of it's going to be in black and white, you know, okay. for at least, at huh. least for this, the, this, this album. So okay. that's kind of why, you know, when I did the whole starting of the, you know, promote, you know, I guess rebranding, which I think happened at the beginning of last year, was when the rebranding thing happened, which is crazy. It's been a year now, but yeah, so that's why it's all black and white. All the videos are just going to be, um, you know, black and white and also the album art. And yeah. So how do you pay? You said, uh, you're not on a record label, so you can do whatever you want, but so then how do you pay for stuff like videos and all that? I mean, that stuff gets expensive, right? Are you just self paying for yourself? Or you have other investors this time or? No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm paying for it myself, but I've been fortunate like this first video and we're going to do a couple more videos, um, together, uh, it's done by a buddy of mine. His name's Carl Gukens and he's a very, very talented artist. Um, and he, we came across each other because do you know about sound better? The website soundbetter.com? No, it's essentially like a, it, if you, if, if you're a 
it's a, any way of a hired gun studio musician. Mm-hmm. You can, and you have recording capabilities okay. know, at home or wherever. You can have a profile, excuse me, on Sound Better to where, say, I need somebody to play horns on one of my songs. I can get on Sound Better, search for people that play horns, send them my song, and then they, if they can record it remotely, they record it and then they send me the files oh. and I, you know you name your price and whatever nice. so i'm on there as a a singer guitar player and a harmonica player and then they found that they came across me because these guys are carl this artist and his his buddy um his partner tony are putting together a uh uh an animated or no i'm sorry a graphic novel and they're having music go along with it so we're doing a trade work so oh, I, i'm okay. singing on their stuff and nice. they're giving me some some animation great so and then do you have any other so the album will be coming out in in chunks here it sounds like um do you have any plans yeah. for i know obviously the pandemic throws a wrench into things but are there any plans for shows would you want to do a tour or would you want to try to just do local shows or is there bands that you want to tour with or would you want to do like the cruise ships or festivals or all that or what's the plan with the, with shows uh, I would love to, uh, t- touring as, as much as I can. Like I love being on the road. Um, uh, whenever the world opens back up, that's a thing me and my my publicist have been talking about. Like you know, once once the video gets done, I get my website and this, that, and the other, and have more of my whole product together um, to start pit, you know reaching out to some some booking agents because I do want to get back on the road. I know that's you know we'll we'll see how that's going to be, but as far as um, yeah, as far as that goes, I, I and I, I would love, I would love to do a blues cruise, but mm. you know, that's I don't know, that's another thing. It's like, when are they going to allow three thousand people to hop on a boat? Together right? And, yeah, you know, who knows like when that'll happen? Yeah. Um. Right on. Well, I look forward to new music. That'll at least I'll be able to hear that, and hopefully, if I can catch a live show someday, if I'm in Louisville or if you're in Phoenix or if you're nearby. Yeah, that's you're out in Phoenix? Okay, yeah, cool. t- Scottsdale, but Phoenix, yeah, it's Arizona. But yeah, I, we drive to like, I mean, we've driven to Vegas and uh, the Whiskey to see shows. And then uh, we even drove to Denver one time to see Dangerous Toy. Like, I know it's like a weird, I've, I've never seen them. And I, I've always thought they were a really cool band. So we just drove Isn't all the way there. So yeah, if, the, if you're nearby, sometimes I, you know, I even drive far to see a band. So yeah, be cool. for sure, man. I'll absolutely let you awesome. know get out there. Very cool. I, I do like to end with a charity. Uh, I think you, you had the greatest reaction to this question, but because I said, Hey, by <laughs> the way, I like to end with a charity. And you said, that is amazing. Or like, I don't know what you say. You're really excited. Usually people just go, okay. And I've had people go, what, you know, like, what? Like, I'll try to think of something, but you had something. So I'm excited to hear what this is. Well, I want to know if it's, is the save our stages? That's not. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that would be, okay, yeah, cool. absolutely. That's the one that, that would, a couple of musicians have brought up. Um, I think, is that the same one that's, I feel like I bought the t-shirt. I think if you buy a t-shirt, I think there it's related to that. There's a couple different music ones. This is, I think this was the Nashville one though. Is that the Nashville one? The save our stages? Well, no, I, the, the site that I got on, I think it's, 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 I want to say it was, it was nationwide. It okay. Was like, uh, Okay, good, um, good, good. Yeah. So no, I just send you the link for it or something. Ab- or? No, I'll find out. Save the stages. Okay. Save our stages. I'll put it in the notes. If people can throw okay. a few bucks there, great. Definitely, everyone should check out your music on. I listen on Spotify. I think it's also on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Some of your future villains and that stuff's on YouTube that I, I found today. That was pretty cool too. So, uh, thank you so much for doing this, Dusty. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate All right. you as well. All right, take take care. We'll talk later. You too, brother. Stay right. safe. Bye bye. 
So there you have it, Dusty Bo. I want to thank him for coming on the show. He's put out some great music already and definitely more to come. Follow him on social media and Spotify or wherever you get your music to keep up with him. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, check out some of the other episodes I have. I've got uh, Sean McNabb. He was the bass player who played with Quiet Riot and Dawkins that we mentioned. The True Villains, uh, who we also mentioned, and I'm wearing the shirt. Uh, plus lots more. And if you want to uh, support the show, you can give me some love on social media with a like or follow or share. Uh, or on YouTube with a like, a comment, or subscribe. Uh, and if you really want to go all out, you can write me a review on iTunes. That helps me a lot. Uh, or you can just send me money through Venmo. I could always use some cash. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And remember to shoot for the moon. <laughs> <laughs>